Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Show. I'm your host, Jeremy Thake. The only show focused on Office 365 development, where I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. So this is episode 13 with Shax from the Visual Studio team talking about the Office 365 APIs. Before we jump into the show, I just wanted to kind of overview a few new um, posts that have come out this week. Starting off with something that I've actually personally been working on pretty much since I've joined the team about four months ago now, along with a bunch of other things, but this is one of the core things we wanted to land, which was around kind of ramping up new developers on onto the Office 365 development platform. So the focus isn't necessarily... Um, on our existing developer base, but just anyone in general, maybe in the Microsoft developer world or even further <laughs> further afield in, say, the Java or PHP fields, introducing them to what you can do with the app model and what you can do with the Office 365 APIs. So please go and check that out. If you missed the live stream of this three weeks ago now, um, this was actually um, put on demand on Monday and um, it's available on microsoftvirtualacademy.com. Uh, and this is the first of seven courses, um, which talk about the, this one talks about the introduction to Office 365 development. The first module in there is really an overview, and that's a level 200 overview. But then the other four modules there um, are more of a level, um, level 200 where they'll go a little bit deeper. But the thing is, uh, if you look in the blog post, for the roadmap, we actually have some level 300 and level 400 courses coming where the majority of the sessions will be in Visual Studio. So this first course is really just to pitch it to give you an idea about what kind of surface coverage you can get with the app model and some really cool samples. And then the level 300 courses will go significantly deeper um, and they'll, they'll be shipping in uh, mid-October all the way through to mid-January. So um, really looking forward to getting some feedback there and, and please give us that feedback in Yammer. So um, with the second blog post that I found this week, uh, Steve Curran, who I've mentioned in a few of these shows, uh, who works at um, Knowledge Lake as a distinguished engineer and is also a SharePoint MVP, um, he's written a post here about using the HTTP client class, which is the standard .NET class, to actually call the SharePoint 2013 REST APIs. Um, so essentially building up the HTTP re um, request object and firing that and then handling that response object. Um, and transferring it into a string that you can then read. Um, pretty pretty useful for various different scenarios, so um, I've added those to the show notes. The second one is something I've actually been working on, um, and it was a fair amount of digging around with various engineering teams to get this going, but essentially I'd posted about um, using the Azure Active Directory auth token um, and the access token specifically in the um, the... The, as the bearer token when you make a call to SharePoint client-side APIs um, when you go through the Office 365 API or flow uh, through common consent. And what I was trying to do was work out whether I could do the same thing with the Exchange Online EWS API. And it turns out you can. So what I've done is I've provided a blog post there that talks through you know, how to get that access token in a string format um, that you can then inject into the HTTP header when you use the Exchange service strongly typed object, which is part of the Microsoft Exchange Web Services Managed API, and it's up to version 2.2 now. So if you're already an Exchange developer um, and you want to work with Office 365 and you want to kind of not really require on storing usernames and passwords and just use an off flow with common consent, 
that's going to become very useful um, for standalone web applications. Um, we've got some samples already that are using this for um, Outlook apps or any kind of Office app that you've got there, but also in mobile apps, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the show with Shax as well. And then for another post here, and another very common guy that we have on um, on the show notes here is Vesa, Vesa Juvenen, um from Finland, who is kind of one of the predominant guys on the Patents and Practices group with Fred Morasco and Bert Janssen and Steve Walker, and, and obviously a, a significant bigger group um, who kind of contribute to that. And what Vesa's put up here is some just some tips and tricks on using the uh, the system update command uh, when you're using um, the client-side object model, specifically the .NET runtime here, and just some warnings around what you'd expect the app model to do in SharePoint and what it actually does, and just remembering some notes on those things. So um, definitely check that out, post out. It's very, very useful um, if you're doing anything with SharePoint. And then, yep, another common one. It seems these guys are all in a rhythm here. Richard Desariga has promised lots of blog posts this week, but one that he posted... Uh, on um, Tuesday was around using the uh, using Azure to SSL enable an, an HTTP REST service that you might have. So never always kind of putting that wrapper around it, and which is obviously a good thing to do um, if you've already using HTTPS for any SharePoint calls and you want to keep everything SSL'd. You can kind of add that wrapper around there. So that's a, a very common scenario that he's seeing where he's working with customers and, and wanting to build that out. And then lastly, a, a new thing I wanted to start featuring is conversations that are happening on the Office 365 technical network in Yammer. So if you're not a member, please go to yammer.com slash network and join the group. Um, and Essentially, we have a bunch of groups here for developers. And one of the questions here from, uh, and I'm probably going to get your name wrong, so I do apologize, but uh, Pankaj Lahoti? That was my best guess, guys. I'm sorry. It's probably terrible. Um, but he asked about any suggestions on Office 365 development with application lifecycle management. What strategies in place for developing code in Office 365? Do we need to use different environments like staging, development, and prod? Now, I am going to do a full podcast on this. But we did have a very good session um, from the SharePoint conference that Eric Charan um, who's in a Microsoft consultancy services um, put together with Ayman Al-Hatib, who was a colleague of mine at Avpoint, actually, who is a SharePoint MVP as well. Um, and, and so um, please go and check that module out on Channel 9, because obviously all the SharePoint conference, as well as TechEd North America and the Build conference, are all recorded and available on demand. As, as, as is the new um, Microsoft Virtual Academy training as well. So there was just one thing where there was a bit of a conversation going there with people sharing links to blog posts and um, links to any training that's available. So highly recommend getting involved in that network. And without further ado, let's uh, jump straight into the show. So I've known Shax for a long time and um, I'm doing a lot of work with him at the moment, obviously with everything that's going on with the Office 365 APIs and living inside Visual Studio and the experiences there. And we'll get him on the show a few times, but this one's a, a really good um, explanation of what they've been doing in that space. And um, big thanks to him for um, taking some time out of his morning yesterday on August uh, 26th, 2014, to, um, to talk to me about the Office 365 APIs. So I'm um, sitting in Building 25 today with uh, Shucks and um, wanted to try and catch up with the, the Visual Studio guys to see what kind of stuff they're doing to help 
make our lives easier as developers on Office 365. So thanks for uh, taking some time out of your busy day to uh, chat to us. Thanks a lot, Jeremy, for the podcast. It's uh, really good to meet our customers and users through this podcast. Yeah, yeah and I think uh, most of the podcast users will be familiar with your name because in the last few shows I've been kind of Shax again has been posting another article about the APIs or about something else. So um, I guess on behalf of the listeners, a big thank you for sharing all the wealth of information you have internally with, with your own personal blog and obviously with some of the stuff, other stuff we do. So, Yeah, no problem at all. I've been really um, open with a few other videos too in terms of what my team is doing and um, what we are focusing on. So it's really great to see that uh, the community is now coming up to you know looking at the APIs and trying to use them and we're getting a lot of feedback too so that's great yeah yeah and you've been active in uh, both stack and uh, in the Yammer group as well so it's been good to kind of get those questions there and have kind of coming from the horse's mouth so to say um, and yep. kind of things that have been coming through yeah and I think one of the things I wanted to also say is that even though um, there aren't many replies or you know um, some interactions we are taking those Stack Overflow posts really um, into the feedback pool that we have here and yeah. you know, looking at what troubles users are going through and um, how valid they are and how can we fix them or how can we improve those um, experiences that our users go through. Yeah, yeah. So how long have you been at Microsoft for? Let's so I think my Microsoft journey now it's around uh, three and a half years. Yeah. Um, but I think I've been um, in the Microsoft uh, with working with several different teams before as a vendor, yeah. so I was, um, well, I originally started my career in India, yeah. and then I moved to New Zealand, and I've been there, I, I had been there for seven years. Um, I worked for Intigen, one of the uh, New Zealand top partners, yeah. um, Microsoft partners, and we worked a lot with SharePoint product marketing team at that time for SharePoint 2010, right. 2013, um, and then I joined as a consultant. Um, I thought it's my time now, just get into the... Um, you know the my mothership and see how we can actually help build the product. Oh, so you were MCS in New Zealand? Yeah that was MCS Microsoft Consultancy Services in New Zealand so mostly worked with government customers in implementing SharePoint um, architectures and SharePoint solutions. Right. So then I moved here um, it's two years now since I moved to this team so we initially were called the Office Developer Tools team Yeah. and uh, we focused on building uh, Visual Studio solutions for pretty much office development. So it, it comprises, um, if you go look back at VBAs, yes, the VBA tool, VSTA, and then the office uh, apps, and then the apps for SharePoint, yeah. and then also the SharePoint solutions and uh, sandbox solutions too. So yeah. all the tooling um, is with office developer tools. Right. So you kind of take what the engineers have built as a kind of a here's a package, here's a spec, now go and build that into the dev tools. Exactly, to so we work with the um, SharePoint team, obviously, the Office Developer Platform team. Yeah. So Brand Jones was there in the podcast a few weeks ago. Right, yeah. So we work with Brand Jones team a lot closer and understand how we can provide these um, extensions or you know the different toolings for developers to go extend Office. But and one thing I've noticed since coming on board is do you guys have a very tight relationship in terms of giving feedback back to their level? So kind of in the baseline of what the the package spec is or the API specs are, 
you're feeding a lot of that back to yes. them as you're using it in the tooling, right? Exactly. So we dog food a lot yeah. um, before it goes to our customers or even before it goes for, say, any internal consumption, right? So we give a lot of feedback. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you can call it debates or you know arguments and discussions on, hey, how this thing has to be there. How can we improve this? How can we, why, why are we doing that? Why, why isn't as easy as this? So there'll be a lot of feedback uh, given back to the um, engineering teams too. Right, and and so there's and other people that people might know in this space. Mike Morton's actually moved on now, but he was in this team as well, right? Yeah. So I was working with Mike Morton right. just a um, few months back, and we had a um, Mike Morton moved to Azure Tools now, so he's right. working for. Um, well, if you are building Azure applications in Visual Studio, then Mike Morton's a That's great guy to reach out. Yeah. 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 It's cool for a good drink as well. Exactly. <laughs> so um, from that side of it, so um, building those toolings, obviously you've been working on these new, uh, the connected service interface within Visual Studio for the new APIs that uh, we've talked about on a few of these shows with various different kind of angles. But um, what's been interesting, and I think a lot of the, f the feedback's been great from the community, is uh, we ship these in preview via the tools extensions, right? So that ha can you explain that process? Like what... Knowing that things are going to preview, um, what, how much control do you feel? Because obviously we've had some changes that meant we had to change our code. So what kind of rules do you put in place on how far you can start one place, get the feedback, and move, deviate from that initial starting place? Yeah, there are, there are actually two aspects to it, right? So one is the tool in Visual Studio that allows developers to connect to Office 365 and then configure the permissions for each of the services that they're allowed to. Right. The second part is the um, library that is comes along with the tool um, and are published as NuGet packages that you can download and use them to query Office 365 services. So the former, the tool, um, kind of just does the first part of your uh, work developer workflow, right? So it asks you, hey, you want to build an Office 365 application, say you want to go access OneDrive for business files, and it allows you to do that. Okay, right. I'm going to allow my app to access users' files. But when it comes to writing the actual code, then you have to now have the libraries, and the libraries have a pattern to follow and kind of um, allow you to authenticate and also query the services. Right, right. So then there comes the... Um, much um, like that's that is where we have been spending a lot of time. If you have seen the yeah. code changes that you were talking about, especially in the authentication piece, yeah, yeah. Um, has been going through a lot of churn and a lot of uh, reviews, not just internally but also looking at how developers write code, right? Right, right. And that's one of the key things. If you look at the .NET libraries, they are so intuitive and they are so much more. Um, Developers just get it, right? So, yeah. And that's the expectation people have when they work with these libraries, too. Yeah. And one of the things we um, have done at this time with this uh, library is that it is exactly what you get in the metadata of each of those Office 365 services. Right. So if you see a method or if you see a property, then that's exactly what you see in the library. Right. right. It's, it's not so if like you inspected the endpoint and look for each different REST endpoint, there's a matching class within that library. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Um, the thing that I think some users have found it difficult is the translation of that um, or data uh, queries or 
um, what do you call it, the, the parameters that you would supply to yeah. get something back from the service. How does that translate to the library calls? Right. For example, um, how do I do paging is a very common uh, thing yeah. that we have heard from our users. Um, so that's where our work is going on a lot. Hey, how do people expect this to work in right, the libraries? Right. How can yeah. we change it? With respect to authentication, it's a it's a really complex beast, right? Authentication is never simple. Yeah. And one of the things, if you notice, is that um, Azure AD is becoming the common um, authentication piece, um, or um, the thing that glues all Microsoft applications, right? So, how do we? How do these libraries behave well with the Azure AD? Yeah. And Azure AD has an authentication library too. Right. And that's considered to be our you know, one-stop library for anything to do with Azure AD. Right, and you, you get hear that being called ADA all the time, right? Exactly, ADA. Yeah. Um, yeah. And our goal when we uh, released the libraries um, first time in, in May, TechEd, um, was that we want it to be as uh, interoperable as possible with these um, authentication libraries. So um, anybody using these libraries today can also use the Office 365 authentication libraries yeah. to get access to the Office 365 services. But it turned out we weren't that interoperable and there were a lot of issues. Um, and we got it through internal dog footing and our customers kind of when they try to mix and match two different solutions that they already have. Right. It became really hard for us to kind of work with that uh, structure. Yeah. So we had to change the authentication libraries to match that um, and make it more interoperable. So now if you see that um, in the authentication libraries, we have a class called discovery context. Yeah. That is the only piece that um, manages um, Office 365 specific information. Right, but the rest is just straight the rest vanilla. Rest is just straight ADL. vanilla at all. Because yeah. before it was the authenticator class, right? Exactly. So yeah. if you'd had built a project using the previous tooling, you'd have to throw away the authenticator class reference, which it was only like two or three lines of code. Exactly, yeah. And just replace it with the discovery yeah. context. Yeah. Um, and do the kind of the new get update to get the new ADL libraries that come through. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So now it's it's quite easy that, hey, if ADL has something that uh, is giving you much more uh, robust capabilities, you can go and use them. Yeah. Um, and if you just want to make the discovery context, in which case, you just want to find out what are the different services that are available, what are the different endpoints that are available for Office 365, you can use the discovery context to do that. I think that piece has uh, been the um, breaking change in the recent update. Um, the I think some of the other feedback that we have received well with uh, MVPs is the way how they work with these libraries, right? right. So, um, for example, it's more about hey, I want to um, I, I want to query contacts and then I want to get the contact pictures. Um, yeah. Or I want to create a contact, and along with that creation of a contact, I need to upload a picture for the contact, right? So there are several ways you can do this, but we have been looking at how MVPs are uh, working with these uh, APIs, you know, how users are working with these APIs, yeah. and trying to figure out, hey, should we change anything? Is it is it okay with the flow what we have today here? Um, how can we make them much more productive in using these APIs, right? Because right. you can write REST calls, but they are very cumbersome and you need to remember right. a lot for the rest of calls to work. Yeah, and I think that's the important point. Like people are like, well, why should we use these libraries over just calling HTTP request and just calling the 
the REST API and then just kind of dealing with that package. But my experience has been that by using the libraries, the collections will return in a way that's easy for me to iterate through and bind them to controls. And exactly. Like and again, going to the point that we build these libraries based on the metadata. Yeah. So what you see there in the metadata that's being returned, that's right. exactly what you get back. A and are they so. gen from that? or is that Exactly. A, oh, yeah. right, so okay. we generate these libraries from the metadata. Right. So there's endpoint. a there's a no data endpoint, you read that and generate yep. these class libraries from that. Exactly. So every time the service updates the endpoints, you just roll out a new exactly. class yep. library. So then they that that's the whole purpose of the new get is they can then update the libraries in yeah, using projects. We, we can certainly rev up the NuGet packages separately. Yeah. Um, and you can go get those updates just like any other NuGet package. Right. Right. Um, I think the and that's the benefit for us in, in terms of hey if the service changes then we have the ability to send you an update right. in the form of NuGet package. Right, and, and and really if you think about kind of olden days development, this would be very similar to doing like an ad service reference to a Web 2.0 web service in the proxy classes it generated, right? Yeah. But now we're just we're delivering them via a NuGet Exactly, the difference is now we are in this cloud services world, right, right? Right. where you know things uh, get revved up very quickly and there's a cloud authentication model, there's yeah. all sort of things that you didn't have in the days of ad service right. And that's where I think we are evolving a lot now to fit that cloud services model. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And a lot of, and I mean, you always underestimate this, but um, a lot of what you do with the ad connected service dialogue where you're picking, you know, I want to have full control over all SharePoint site collections or I want full control over my mailbox. Under the covers, what that's doing is then going and talking to Azure AD once you're signed in and configuring that in the the Azure AD application space, right? Exactly, so Office 365, when you subscribe for uh, Office 365 account and kind of um, use your domain that you created during the time, or if you go and integrate your Active Directory, under the hood, it's actually the Azure AD that right. is holding. Right, it's just a tenant whole, sitting exactly. there. Exactly, so there's yeah. a tenant sitting there, right? So this whole Office 365 services are part of the Azure AD common consent framework, meaning that Azure AD can handle access to these Office 365 APIs that right. you want your application to go fetch for your users. Yeah. So if you say that, hey, I'm building a OneDrive for business app and I'm gonna go fetch users' files and folders, right? That means the application is doing on behalf of the user. So the user has to provide now consent yeah. to say, hey, this app one can have access to my um, files and right. folders in OneDrive. And once you provide that access, the thing that happens behind the scenes is that now this application entry will be checked by Azure AD whether it, it is allowed to do that. Right. So somebody has to configure that now, right? Yeah. The developer has to do that so that this can work. So that's what the tools help you to do that is instead of you going manually to the Azure portal right. and doing all these things to make sure that things work using the tool, you can do it within Visual Studio and configure them straight away to provide access to these resources. And then once Azure's added that entry to the application, Azure then returns the client ID and the key secret, which you then put in the web config, right? Right, so the tool, when you first open the tool, you'll see register your app. Yeah. And that's exactly what it means, is you're registering an application in Azure AD yeah. um, in your Office 365 tenant to allow the app to access to specific services you want to configure. 
Yeah. And once you do that, what happens is you get a client ID, and depending on the project type, whether it's a native client application or a web application, you will get certain things back. Right. Um, I think one thing that's common is client ID, right? Yeah. And then there's for a web application, we have redirect URIs. Right. Um, so authentication can work with that web application. Yeah. So once we get that, we put uh, those entries in the configuration files, again, depending on the project type. Uh, for web applications, web.config is a, is a known place for having your configurations. And using that information, we can now, um, you know, Visual Studio can access the uh, application that it just created in the Azure AD, yeah. as well as it is used for your runtime authentication. So when you use your app, the client ID and all the values that you have in the configuration file are also used for the runtime um, authentication piece to interact with Azure AD and say, hey, here's my app details. Yeah. Um, please authenticate and give me the access token to access the required services. Yeah. And there are details on MCN, and I'm one of those guys that likes to see what's going on under the covers. Not that I don't trust Visual Studio and the awesome tools you build, but being able to log into manage windowsazure.com and, and see exactly what's being entered is, is an interesting part of the process. And so the sign-up experience right now is a little bit odd because if you're logged in as a tenant admin of your Office 365 experience and hit manage.windowsedger.com, it essentially asks you to sign up um, and you can go through that process and there's a mobile phone kind of validation with via text message and then you have to put in credit card details. But the interesting thing is, and I mentioned this in the new Microsoft Virtual Academy course that went on demand on Monday, um, was that um, the Azure AD component is actually free. Um, there is a premium version of Azure AD, um, but interesting enough, like the one that Office 365 gets is kind of in between the free and premium, because the Office 365 Azure AD instance actually allows for like multi-factor authentication, which usually only comes in a premium one. So if you put in your credit card details there in a developer tenant, um, you're never actually going to get charged. It just it needs to know your credit card exactly. details and yeah. know who you are. It's like more of a privacy and a yeah. I think there are some confusions over there. We. We, we know that it's a problem and yeah. we, we are working to fix that. But I think as you said today, uh, there are several ways that um, people can overcome this issue. Right. Um, I think one of the issue, one of the workaround is that you, you just, just create a sign trail, it. sign yeah. up for trail. Um, I, I think um, other, there is some place that you can go and, um, I think it's an MSD and document is well MSD, enough yeah. to say right. how we can link the Azure subscription to an existing Azure right. subscription. Right, so if you have a, an existing Azure tenant subscription, you can link exactly. that Azure yep. AD. Yep. Um, and that, 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 that information is on MSD and I'll right. put that in the show yep. notes too. So this is certainly good if you want to go under the covers and look at what's happening and, and especially if you want to publish your application. Right. Um, you, you do need to know these details, right? So yeah. I think dev.office.com has some great documentation on this yeah. piece. Yeah. And also, as a maybe as a tenant admin, you'd want to go in and just monitor exactly. what kind of applications yep. are being consented by your users. Yeah. Um, but there's also it's not just user consent. There's tenant level consent as well. There's there's two types of consent right now. Yeah, I think the tenant level consent is mostly applicable for sites APIs. Yeah, right. Where you just say that, yep, my app can have access to all site collections yeah. and list in this tenant. Yeah. Whereas the exchange piece which is comprising the mail contact calendar yeah then you have the files which is looking at your OneDrive locations right. um, and then the active directory graph which is 
um, allowing you to have a single sign-on and reading user profiles. And, and groups. And yeah, exactly. Those are kind of mixed again with user-level, app-level, uh, like the common consent framework, that's right. what it's called, which says that you as a user can provide this app access to your resources, yeah. right? It's your calendar, your uh, mail, your contacts. Right, right. You can't have, uh, there's still the delegated permissions are still, I think, coming up slowly, um, but uh, right now it's basically the user's permissions. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where it's really important is that pe people that can come from the old world of SharePoint where the SharePoint client side object model was very much about you know, you could go and get anything. Um, but it was security trimmed to that user. But these APIs are really focused on the me. It's all about me and what I can access in the service. So for vendors that are trying to do things that are tenant-wide, it's a little bit tricky to, to do that unless your your product is going to use the tenant admin when he's logged in because obviously they see everything. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think one of the uh, questions I think we had last week was, hey, I want to go access all the users one drive. Oh, the one drive is right, yeah. Um, true. Whereas not just accessing just that logged the in The person's token file. who accesses exactly. that one drive, yeah. So I think um, if you recall what we had a workaround was use the site's API and, right, and just go to the line. REST API. Yeah. One, one of the cool things about this APIs is that um, we're trying to bring, if you see that the list API, for example, in SharePoint, which yeah. is a REST API in SharePoint 2013, can be used with Office 365 APIs. Right, right, right? because of that bearer token. Exactly. Yeah. So it's the same authentication behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, and the uh, APIs are available for you to go consume it if you want to. Yeah. So you can do that approach of going back to the APIs you're familiar exactly. with for those particular yeah. scenarios. So today, if you are using um, REST APIs uh, for building your SharePoint apps, yeah. then it's quite easy to say, I'm going to move to this to, to Office 365. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and there's a lot of advantages, right? You don't build an app anymore because it's just your app and you can consume the Office data uh, or the SharePoint data you want to right. consume. And there's some great samples that I've been working on with some external um, MVPs and just kind of like Dan Wallin. Um, he's very sought after guy in Angular and um, Andrew Connell and Scott Hillier. Yep. Um, so there's a research project and the expense project. And they actually do that. They kick off the auth common consent to get the Azure AD token. Yep. But then they'll go and use that to call the SharePoint existing client-side object model to go and get like data out of SharePoint lists. Yep. Because the, the SharePoint uh, API on the new service is much more about fetching files from SharePoint, not list data or exactly. triggering yep. workflows or managing taxonomy. Yep. That's all done in the existing client APIs, which you can get out with that auth bearer. Yep. So there's some articles that I'll put in the show notes around that. Um, the same deal with EWS. I just I managed to get that working last week. Oh, okay. So you yeah. can call the old EWS APIs uh, with that auth bearer as well. So there's, for instance, in the new APIs. Um, that's, it's a lot better because it's OData 4, the class libraries in the Visual Studio, but there's no task right. endpoint. Exactly. So I yep. use the auth bearer token and then call the existing EWS to get the task information through. Yep. So there's, you know, if you're familiar with the old APIs, you can still get away with doing yeah. that thing. And I think one of the pattern you're seeing here is that most of these services, Microsoft services in the cloud, are basically working with Azure AD authentication, right? Yeah. And that's that's how they have been so far. Right. And I think this effort is trying to make sure that hey, there is one authentication layer, right? And you get, um, you provide or you configure access to the resources Correct. 
and these resources are basically exchange uh, resources like mail contacts yeah. or SharePoint resources, right? Sure. And once you provide that and say, I'm going to use AI or AD for authentication, it just works. Yeah. As long as you have access to those, your application will be able to query those services. Right. And there's a little bit of a convergence happening because obviously the SharePoint app model used Azure um, ACS. Exactly. Um, yeah. But in the future, that's going to converge so that we'll flip over to be able to choose between you know, staying with what you've got or using Azure AD so that inside a SharePoint app, you'll be able to call these new APIs as well. Yeah, which you can do already today. You right? can, but you're yeah. going to get that extra exactly. consent dialogue yeah. as part of that. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting in the research project is with the Office, uh, apps for Office, whether it's in Outlook or Word or Excel or PowerPoint, um, you can actually already call the Office 365 APIs there and, um, and, and so you can use those new APIs. Yeah, and that's the power of these um, APIs when you compare them with, hey, what's the difference with SharePoint app model? Like, right. why should I use these, right? Yeah. It's the it's the openness and the standard format right. um, now that every cloud service in the world uses. Yeah, yeah. So you can connect to them from any um, application. Right. So I think this is the right time to bring out that. Um, we the, the Office 365 API tool supports pretty much all of the projects you have. I was really surprised. When yeah. you told me like it was WinForms, exactly. WPM, yeah. I'm like, really? And we actually had anymore? two customer requests to say, hey, I want to use Office APIs in my Windows Forms project. Wow, okay. Right. Well, I guess it helps if you've got a legacy project that's already out there in the yeah. wild, and now you want to integrate that to OneDrive for Business or maybe to the Exchange calendar via these new exactly. endpoints from yep. old EWS. It's yep. a pretty compelling story. Right? Yeah, and not just our Windows projects in Visual Studio, right? right. It also uh, works with Xamarin projects in Visual Studio. Right. And the VS Cordova application projects right. in, in, in Visual Studio. So what are those? Because people might not be familiar. We talk about those as if we right. knows. So um, let me quickly say that there are kind of, when you, when you want to build an application, um, you would want to build it just for Windows platform. Right. Right. So that would be Windows Desktop, like WPF and Windows Forms. Yeah. Or you would go with a Windows 8 Store app or um, and Windows Phone app. Yeah. Or you could say, well, I'll just build Universal Windows app that targets More Windows things. and like Windows Store and Windows Phone. Right? Yeah. And when it comes to cross-platform development in Visual Studio, you look at um, two options. One is Xamarin which basically means that you're building native device client application for the cross-platform uh, um, OS like Android and iOS. That means you, so to build a Xamarin Android application, you still follow the same Android development model, but you write every code, all of your code in .NET C Sharp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And they have that uh, layer that goes and translates that to, to Android. iOS, Android. Exactly, right. yeah. So if you're already familiar with iOS and Android, and if you have developers saying, hey, I want to, can you guys build me a app, cross-platform um, app, not just iOS, Android, but also the third layer, which is, hey, Windows Phone, right? Yeah. You can use Xamarin. The other part is uh, kind of this new world where HTML5 web applications are becoming much more common and you call them as hybrid applications where you bring these web applications into your device as device applications. And that's where the Cordova um, is coming out and saying, hey, you can build um, once and run everywhere in all devices. Yeah. So you write your code once and they're all HTML and use JavaScript so you can use all your web technologies like AngularJS, Bootstrap, and all the good things that you have, jQuery plugins, 
um, and build your app and they basically compile them to an iOS package, Android package, and Windows Phone package. Right, okay. So the basic difference here is that if you're a .NET developer and really comfortable working in C-sharp um, and you use Visual Studio, then you can have Xamarin, right? But you also need to learn the respective platform development model. Right, right, right. If you're a web developer and you're really comfortable with JavaScript and HTML and you pretty much, you know, go on building a web application no time, then you can use the Cordova, VS Cordova. And also it kind of helps in cost because you just build once. Right. And that just works Rather on all the devices. But what's interesting as well, and Shax will say this because he's the Visual Studio guy, but the Open Tech guys have been working on SDK. So there's a, there is an Android SDK that works with both Eclipse and Android Studio. Exactly. So, and there is an iOS one coming as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And, and that's where these APIs excel, right? These APIs never um, is these APIs are never going to put you in a constraint to say, right. hey, just use Visual Studio. Yeah. Like, if you, you want to, else, you, you could right? hand roll all of the Azure AD chatter. Like for instance, I know we've there's some discussions going on right now that you know I'm a PHP dev and I'm going to use PHP, and there's samples out there already to do that auth hop with Azure AD and exactly. then start calling yep. the REST APIs by yep. just HTTP Now, posts. if you replace the Azure AD with the way that the, the protocol that it uses to authenticate, which yeah. is OAuth 2.0, right. authorization um, authorization grant flow. Right. It's pretty common. Yeah. That's exactly what, you know, if you go to Google APIs and see, hey, how, does I, how do I authenticate with Google? It's a similar flow. It's a very similar right. flow, right? And if we you... are working on samples as well for those things. So I was I had a meeting with a content publishing guy who yeah. I know listens to the show, so I really appreciate what they're doing, is they're doing starter projects for all those things. Exactly. Yep. Which is really cool. So you'll be able to just grab that, and if I'm a PHP dev, I'll be able to just kind of grab that and go with it as well. Yeah, um, and, and I think that's where we say, yep, um, how can we help? Um, non-Windows developers, right? Um, you know, who want to consume Office 365 APIs. Yeah. And you can see that the current Android SDK that's available in GitHub, um, it's an open source, so you right. can go look at the source and, and see what we're doing exactly. Samples, and it currently works with Eclipse, um, but I think there is effort more going on to make yeah. it much more. I think it does work with the Studio, but it's not. It's yeah, not, the experience isn't as good as it will be. Exactly. Um, yep. So to wrap up, there's one last thing I wanted to make sure we got in, which was, um, is that Link? Someone's calling you. Maybe it's your mum or something. Calling yeah, you from I've, New Zealand. I've never, I don't have my Link running, but yeah, that's a good thing to be in the podcast. Yep. <laughs> well, at least, yeah, that's right. It's just good promotions, right? It's, it's a casual talk. <laughs> yeah. um, so one last thing was um, the code samples. So we've been working with you on a few things. I've been going through <laughs> trials and tribulations and getting them published, but we had some good news that there's some of the process we had to go through to get code samples off is going away, which is hey, great. Yep. So um, for the, just as, again, we don't mind sharing this stuff, but it's just, just so you understand some of the things we go through. Uh, there was a ruling that if there was a code sample that was over a thousand lines of code, it had to go through this whole legal process before it could get published. Um, well, it turns out we've got a little bit of leeway now, so it's not counting all the lines of code in Visual Studio, it's just the ones that Visual Studio is coding us. Yeah, I would be now. terrified to write more than 1,000 lines of code to query Office 365. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'll be, I think we'll be scaring people with that. Yep. So what samples have we got coming out on GitHub? Um, by the time the show comes out, they'll be there. I think one of the samples that uh, I've been showing around is the getting your contacts 
um, and then displaying the contact name, picture, the email, um, but in a Xamarin Android app. So um, I think once we publish that, if you have Xamarin installed for Visual Studio, you can download and right, execute just it. Right, F5 it in. Exactly, F5. And yeah, I must admit, I hadn't had a Xamarin installed on my Surface, so I need to go and install that to get open that yeah. project out. So it's a, it's a very small project that I think one of the goals with these uh, project samples that we want to, we are publishing out there, um, the reason we are publishing in GitHub is so we can have the community come in and extend these samples. Yeah. Um, so, for example, I only have reading contacts and reading contact pictures. Right, right, right. It'd be awesome for people to jump in and say, yeah. hey, "Hey, I'm going to have a you know like full update exactly whatever. the full crud." So I think Dragon had done that. One of the MVPs um, for like, one of the other samples you put out there, which was the um, the ASP.NET MVC one. Yeah. He'd gone in and you'd done create and read yeah and I had done a few things and, and I think one of the requests even I had in my comments in my blog post for that particular blog post was hey how can I do the rest right how can I do the update and right. refresh the page or something like that yeah 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 and I think uh, Dragon the MVP um, yeah he came in and uh, he um, just submitted his um, updated sample to the right. GitHub and, and we just pushed it through exactly so it's pretty cool that we can get to do that I mean, it's a good little kind of like a lab exercise really isn't it for these guys to learn prove that they've got it by kind of submitting this stuff to here yeah but some of the other scenarios are like uh, with the research project is we've built the Outlook app the Word app and the standalone AngularJS app but now we've got MVPs that are working on a Xamarin app that complements yeah. that scenario. Yeah. So I think there are two set of samples. Um, I, I usually say this is like, one is the end-to-end -end sample right. that shows, hey, I have a scenario here, right. I'm going to build an app yeah. and companion apps to make this scenario right. you know, work. There is the other thing is like, hey, I'm just trying to work with um, Contacts API. Yeah, give me a good set I want of a Xamarin app. Right, right. right. And then you just go download these apps, simple apps, and right. you see so you have the class that RBG exactly. used. And there isn't nothing visually stunning or yeah. you know a scenario working behind the scenes, right. but it's just a way to go look at how do I use these APIs? Yeah. How do I use the tool? And you know how is Visual Studio helping me yeah. to build these apps? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to those starter packs that the content publishing guys are doing because that yeah. will really help because they'll just be able to just grab those and see. And they'd like using yeah. buttons for each one of yep. the endpoints. I think the. The the thing about starter projects is is we have been doing this in Microsoft for quite a while. Yeah. So if you go, there are two things, there are two uh, content areas that have done this. One is in Azure portal. If you yeah. go create Azure mobile service, there is a starter project that you can download. And yeah. the other one is for Windows 8 samples. I, I love them, right? The right, right, right. They can just download the list box and list view. Just F5 it in all exactly. your way. And that's exactly what we're trying to do with these starter yeah, projects. Yeah. Cool. Well, I appreciate your time, mate. Yeah, thanks and, uh, a lot. I'm yeah. hoping um, there's tons of information in there, and I'll make sure the notes have got all the links to the various things we've talked about. Yeah. I will definitely get you on the show again. Yeah, sure. Um, there's a few big events coming up that um, we're going to be stuck together for a bit in Vegas for the Intersections Conference. Yeah, Vegas should um, be fun. So um, i got some news for you. You've picked up another session while you're there, <laughs> but I dumped you in that live on the show. Um, so we'll get you on a show nearer that time as well. So yep. um, yeah, in and amongst us partying in Vegas, we'll get a few podcasts out as well. Yeah, sure. We'll cool. Do that. All right. Well, thanks very much, Shocks. And thanks um, yeah, see you again. See you. Bye. Just a little update here. After we recorded this session with Shacks, we actually did go and publish on GitHub a Xamarin sample, which is showing how to use the Contacts API within Exchange Online to retrieve a bunch of contacts with uh, the pictures and etc. 
And um, in the setup instructions in GitHub, and again, they're in the show notes, you'll actually be able to go through and follow how to set up Xamarin um, and get the emulator working um, to actually run and, and get Android running on your Windows PC, building with XAML and C Sharp with the Xamarin add-in in Visual Studio, which is pretty cool. So, um, yeah, in- I hope you've enjoyed the show, and um, we'll see you on next week's show. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of your Office 365 developer needs. All the links from the show are in the blog post on blogs.office.com WACDEV, where you can find the latest news about Office 365. If you have any ideas for new shows or questions for us, please join us in our Yammer group in the Office 365 Technical Network. Have a great week, guys, and keep coding on Office 365.